Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here alongside the founder of Brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden, for a little afternoon podcast. The series is tied. It's two all. The Bucks are right back in this. Today's episode is brought to you by Locker Room. You guys can get involved tomorrow. I'm going to do a live Locker Room pod, so download the app and join me uh, tomorrow at around, uh, let's say, 7.30 Central Time. I just made that up right now. That's locker room changing the way we talk about sports. The Bucks beat the Nets 107-96 to in a game that very quickly in the second quarter became one that you absolutely had to have. The story of the night, and we can talk through everything that happened from a Bucks perspective, but there's no doubt about it, Frank. The story of the night, Kyrie Irving goes down with an ankle sprain, a pretty severe ankle sprain. He comes down. After a shot attempt on Giannis's shoe, it was ugly. It was, it was tough to look at. This is a serious ankle sprain. He did not return. And really, from that moment on, perhaps not in the dominant fashion you would like to see, Milwaukee really did control this game from that point onwards. Brooklyn, for the most part, trailed by double digits. And the Bucs uh, pick up this win. It's 2-2. There's guaranteed to be a game six in Milwaukee. And pending what happens with Irving and what happens with Harden, uh, this series has turned very, very quickly, and it just reminds you how important it was that they found a way to grind out that Game 3 win because anything can happen uh, the longer the series goes. Yeah, I mean, we talked about after Game 2, right? The odds are not in your favor down 2-0. You know, the, the stat, 93% of teams close out up 2-0 in the conference semis or, or, or beyond. And um, it, it's hard. A lot of things go into that. I mean, usually the better team, is, is winning those first two games, right? It's usually not the favorite losing those first two games, um, you know, and, and there's a, a psychological factor falling down b- b- behind 2-0. And we saw, I think, in game three, uh, were the Bucks right psychologically in game three? Had, you know, had they gotten over their nerves and, and anxieties and figured out how to play offensively in particular? Absolutely not. <laughs> um, you know, the good news was that uh, they there were certainly was no correlation between how well they played offensively and defensively in game three. They were superb defensively. Obviously, both teams did not bring their best offensively, and the Bucks we got a win. And uh, today, I, I think we saw a lot of that defense carry over once again. Physicality on Kevin Durant um, throughout the game. Obviously, frustrated KD. He shoots nine out of twenty-five, and once Kyrie goes out. <laughs> You know, I mean, again, it's easy for the talking heads to say just like, oh, everything's got to go through KD. It's like, oh, Jesus, man, that's tiring. You know, <laughs> this, is, this is a guy who's still, you know, only a season removed from, from a, a serious Achilles injury. And as awesome as he's been and as great as he is, um, you know, P.J. Tucker, again, I mean, defensively was terrific today. I think KD was 3 out of 12, the stats that they had on uh, when he was guarded by P.J., PJ scored what 13 points, <laughs> you know, that is not what you expect. Uh, and it just felt like on the other end offensively for the Bucs, there was just 
just a lot more fluidity. 27 assists today, you know, is, again, I don't usually like look at assists like the first thing in the box score, but after last game, well, they had 12. Um, I thought that was just indicative of the fact that, A, they actually moved the ball uh, a bit, and B, people started making jump shots. And, you know, we saw some role players. Pat Connaughton had an awesome day, both hitting a couple threes and just working his butt off. Looked like a prize fighter at, at the end of it. And, you know, Giannis was was better. Chris maybe not as good, certainly as game three, but Chris was good. Drew Holiday was better. And obviously with Brooklyn being down now one and a half stars, right? They only get a half of Kyrie before he goes down. Um, it's just a, it's just a big hill to climb, especially on the road. If, if you're Brooklyn, even with the Bucks, still not looking awesome offensively. Um, but they certainly were a lot better today than they were in the, than in the previous two games. So I think as a Bucks fan, obviously evening the series, you, you obviously feel much better than, just getting back into it after game three um, and the way that they played. But um, certainly, as you said, I think uh, kind of like after game one, right? Bucks lose that game, but Harden's injury is in many ways kind of the talking point coming out of it. And today, I think still you got to focus on basketball and kind of you can only play the guys that are in front of you. But certainly when you try to analyze what's going to happen the rest of the series, obviously Kyrie seeming to sustain a, a pretty nasty ankle injury. Um, that's obviously going to be a huge point in the next couple of days as we kind of look forward and try to figure out what happens in game five. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned PJ Tucker. It was funny after game three, I think you said something along the lines of, I think Giannis, Chris and PJ are the three guys that can sleep well after after that performance, after that win. And PJ Not was, Giannis, not Giannis, Chris and PJ. <laughs> who was it? Chris and PJ Chris, and who? Chris, PJ and like Bobby Portis, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, and and Brooke, Jeez. to be honest, too, probably also could have, could have been in there. But, but, uh, but yeah, to PJ, Bobby, Frank. Uh, well, he played like, you know, eight minutes or something and hit a couple of shots and didn't get killed. Right. So uh, yeah, I was looking very favorably, but, but anyway, keep, keep going. But yeah, PJ Tucker, um, PJ Tucker looks like the guy that, that you were envisioning when the Bucks picked him up right today, pretty much checked all the boxes for why the Bucks made that move at the trade deadline. Well, the 13 points you already mentioned that. And like, let's be honest, I tweeted it during the first quarter, but anytime that he scores on not a corner three, I feel like it should be worth four points because it's just so shocking when you see it happen. <laughs> and he had two of those bastards tonight, a little reverse. And then he actually pump fake Kevin Durant, dribbled in and shot a little glasser as well, which was yeah. uh, just, just tough a tough angle too. Yeah, this is, this is a really nice shot. So when you talk about not wasting role players games, do not waste the 13 point PJ Tucker game. <laughs> and the Bucks didn't do that. But I have to say, and we discussed this after game one, and then I discussed it again after game two. And look, sometimes you just got to admit when you, you, you get it wrong, Frank. And while I was talking about Harden being out, and I was questioning whether or not PJ Tucker is the guy that you keep in the starting lineup. Now, we both said that ultimately replacing PJ Tucker for a Pat Connaughton isn't, it, or it shouldn't swing the series. But I got to tell you, We've seen him play tough defense at times. We've also seen him officiated different ways in times. I think that the, this game, the players were allowed to be really physical, which obviously benefits PJ. But yeah, I mean, his grit, his determination, he's, he's just straight up fight and want to be physical and to get in the face of Kevin Durant. There is no one that the Bucks have had in recent years that defends that way. I thought we saw stretches during the third quarter when PJ picked up his fourth foul that Chris Milton came on and that was the option that I said maybe you go to Chris and I thought he had a couple of really really good possessions defending Durant as well including a block that he had on him that turned into a bucket down the other end but PJ Tucker deserves all the credit the one thing I will say when we're talking about role players though 
The reason why I thought Pat Connaughton might be an option to come into the lineup was because I thought that the Bucks were missing a little bit of that uh, X factor that Dante DiVincenzo brings them, whether it's rebounding, deflections, steals, those little hustle plays. And I thought that we got that tonight. And it kind of made you wonder why we haven't seen a little bit more of Pat Connaughton early in the season. Now, he's not going to play to this level every game. We know that. He's, he's a role player. They're going to be inconsistent. But I thought Pat Connaughton in his 21 minutes tonight, uh, he had the eight points. Look, the Bucks need anyone that can shoot a three right now. He was two for five from the outside. But he also um, was able to pick up four steals. Four steals. And, and, and they're just, the, particularly at home, they get the crowd going. He obviously took that elbow and was bleeding from the eye and went off. And, and, and there was a lot going on with Pat Connaughton tonight. But shout out to PJ Tucker for, really, I mean, his defense has been superb. And also the other guy, Pat Connaughton, for coming in off the bench because the Bucks have really got nothing out of their bench players all series long. A quick note now from our friends at Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three, post screen and interview all on Indeed. Get your quality short list of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster, only pay for the candidates that meet must-have qualifications and schedule and complete video interviews with your Indeed dashboard. You can choose from more than 130 skills tests, then add your must-have requirements so only you pay for the applications that meet them. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. If you're hiring, you need Indeed. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to update your job post at indeed.com slash locked. Get a $75 credit at indeed.com slash locked. That's indeed.com slash locked. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. And then uh, our friends at Built Bar, you know I get fired up. I wonder if that listener had his Built Bar, his pregame Built Bar before tonight's game and the series now tied 2-2. Hopefully that good luck continued. It's the best tasting protein bar that's ever been made. There's nine amazing flavors that you can choose from. Coconut, coconut, almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel. If you don't know which one you want, Get the mix box. You'll be able to taste all of those. Uh, the deal we've got, go to builtbar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at builtbar.com. Today on Road to the Finals, our NBA playoff coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. At 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. I mean, the Bucks have, obviously, they, they weren't as deep this year as in previous years, but this is an area that the Bucks have typically, you know, relied on to, to some extent, right? But, but the, the minutes that the Stars have played during regular seasons the past couple of years, this year, not, you know, they, obviously, Giannis, Chris, they played more than they did, especially the season before last. But, um, but, you know, you rely on these guys to come in and, and provide a spark. And uh, at this point, obviously, a guy like Pat, as much as they've been moving parts around this team, I mean, this is... You know, he's been here three years now, every year the butt era. He knows how to play with Giannis. He's a good off-ball cutter. He's a good rebounder. And certainly, you know, look, do you want him isoling up on Kevin Durant defensively and having to, you know, uh, go toe-to-toe with, with a superstar all-time scorer? No, right? I mean, that's that's what you want PJ there for. That's what you want Chris there for. Even Drew, you know, had some minutes. But, you know, we see, obviously, Drew's lack of size is a problem. But um, Pat running around the floor, uh, creating some of that havoc defensively, I thought that was something we had not really seen all series. The the, the, the Nets have not given up live ball turnovers uh, that have you know given the Bucks really any oxygen offensively to play a little more high tempo. And 
um, you know, 20 fast break points today for the Bucks. That was what it, I think that's seven last game. Um, and anytime you give the Bucks the ability to, you know, get out, get odd man situations, uh, get on the break, get open looks for three, things like that. Um, obviously, that's going to play to their advantage. And those turnovers were a huge part of Brooklyn uh, today. 17 turnovers, Bucks 25 points off those turnovers compared to 14 turnovers, 13 points off those for, for Brooklyn. So, yeah, I mean, I, I thought the turnover story was obviously a, a huge part of, of, you know, giving the Bucks a bit more life, giving them a little bit more fluidity and, and getting some of the easier buckets that, you know, to, to be the kind of high octane offense that we've seen from them. Well, yeah, you, you expect to, to be able to get some easy baskets and um, you know, they didn't get any offensive rebounds today. We still have not seen the, the, the Brooke Lopez uh, playing inside thing. He, again, today, all of his shots were threes. Um, so still not exploiting that in, in any real way to, to, uh, to, to write home about, but, um, overall being able to get some easy baskets. And then I just thought some of just the ball movement was better, you know, drew nine assists, Chris, eight assists. Um, I thought that was just generally indicative of, of the fact that those Bucks stars leveraged the creases they can create, leverage the attention they can draw to, to create some easier baskets. And, um, obviously that was a very, very welcome sight. Still, Still, this was a bad, I mean, this was a bad offensive game for the Bucks. A 103 offensive rating—that's terrible by their standards. Yeah. So this was again—you know—you won this game because of your defense. Um, and you know, again, Brooklyn was was better from three than than perhaps their worst, but still just 10 out of 33 for Brooklyn. Bucks ultimately weren't great. Um, they only shot 34 percent, but 16 out of 47. You know, the volume and the makes. Obviously, that's much closer to what we're used to seeing from the Bucks. You know, when they're shooting six out of thirty-one, eight out of twenty-seven being their best game before today. Um, that's just indicative of the game just not going the way that the Bucks like to play. But today, obviously, I think they just played a much more typical kind of game that that we would expect to see from the Bucks. And obviously, the result was uh, one that was at least I, w- I wouldn't say, as you said, you know, they didn't blow them out of the out of the water entirely as easily as maybe you would have liked, but. Um, it certainly in the second half, uh, the game kind of got blown open and, and it felt started to feel pretty comfortable. So let's get to the honest conversation specifically with this performance tonight. Uh, some early foul trouble in terms of he picked up two fouls in the first quarter there and then uh, Bud actually used a challenge in the second quarter, which would have been his third. He ends up getting an and one rather than picking up that third foul on, on what was an offensive foul there for Giannis. But overall, 14 for 26, just one for five from three, five for 10 from the free throw line. He was a plus 29 though. And it, it did feel that anytime Giannis was in the game, the Bucks were going to just simply be able to overmatch them. But an interesting point early in this game, I thought you spoke about the ball movement. You spoke about the way the offense was running. Milwaukee went down nine to two, very early they called a timeout and I was sort of watching this game thinking geez they're getting really really nice looks here I mean they're they're running offense they're they're, the the player movement people are cutting they're moving this is just not what we saw in game three at all but they weren't able to score so you're wondering to yourself okay how are they going to actually start to hit some shots they came out with a run after that but then they were down 11 again early in the second quarter and Brooklyn started hitting shots, and it was starting to get a little bit shaky. They went with a smaller lineup. They were able to actually get the, the lead, I believe, before Kyrie went down. I think they had the lead when Kyrie went down. I'm not 100% sure of that. But they'd already made their move. And, and I think that 
again, you spoke about the passing. I thought Chris Middleton's passing was excellent tonight, but with Giannis again specifically, he still just looks so much better when he's either used as a screener, he's he's cut into the basket and the ball is moving around. That's where they really can't stop him outside of the transition possessions that you already mentioned. What did you see from Giannis overall? Because there was still periods in the game where I was just scratching my head thinking, why are we doing this? Why are we forcing Giannis to dribble and try and get through everyone here or just pull up and shoot a three? It still feels like there's ways that they can unlock him to be even more dominant. And that's despite the fact, again, he had 34 and 12. Yeah, I hit an early three. So he kind of you know, got off the schneid a little bit there, but um, still only one out of five. One of those was, you know, a late clock type type three, and I think it was in the fourth quarter. So uh, certainly it's a less aggressively looking for threes than than last game, which, of course, is important. Um, but, you know, you look at his shot chart, he didn't make a shot outside of basically the basket area. Like he, he missed, uh, let's see, four shots that were essentially um, kind of like more typical mid-range type shots. Uh, so it's not like he had other stuff working today. He just really dominated getting to the rim. I think he had 26 points in the paint. Bucks only had 38. Bucks only had 38, 36 paint advantage today, which I think, again, reflects the fact that Brooke Lopez is just not taking up residence at all in in the paint. And, um, you know, I think part of that, too, is just Giannis playing big minutes. You know, he only, quote, you know, only plays 38 today. Part of that's a little bit of foul trouble and then coming out um, with a few minutes left in today's game. Otherwise, he would have been over 40 again. Um, but I think part of it's, you know, when Giannis is on the floor, you're just not running Brooke screen, screen roll actions. Um, and, you know, there were some minutes where uh, both those guys were off the floor. I think, uh, you know, typically you want to, I think, always keep one of those guys on the floor unless, unless Brooklyn's just going like super small. But I mean, you know, typically even with Jeff Green back today, um, it felt like there, there was a moment where I think Portis was the biggest guy out on the floor. And I think Bruce Brown was still on the floor. So, I mean, again, there, there was still a non-shooter out there that potentially could have hit and broke against. But, um, you know, as for Giannis, again, I think, you know, the free throw line was, again, not really much better. Uh, five out of ten still just looks kind of messy. Well, kind of very messy at the foul line. Still taking the same amount of time that, you know, he's been taking. And, you know, I, I you know how many more times is he going to get whistled for a 10-second violation <laughs> in this series who knows you know I'm, i keep looking at the refs just saying like do they feel like calling it because if they want to call it they can call it he's not doing anything different um but i thought you know offensively uh just a little bit better flow i think i like you know again he only had three assists but I, I liked his distribution a little bit better um but you know still five turnovers too right so i it's not like he was um you know this was not a Giannis work of art and i think it just sort of speaks to how good he is that, you know, 34 points on 26 shots and 12 rebounds um, doesn't feel like a great performance from him. (laughs) um, But you certainly can't say that the Bucs did not, you know, go to their best players today. Uh, Again, Giannis 26 shots, Chris 15, Holiday 16. Um, It wasn't quite as severe uh, in terms of just those guys, you know, playing an ISO and, and, or playing too many games with each other and, and nobody else getting involved. But, I still think you would, you know, you could look at the the way that, that other guys are getting involved or not getting involved and try to hope that that you maybe get a little bit more balance or or just even like better play from Drew, right? I mean, Drew six out of sixteen for fourteen points. That's that's obviously not the uh, offensive efficiency you'd like, but we saw him hit a. I think it was was it in the fourth quarter they hit that three or third quarter. I don't know. The Bucks were kind of getting after their lead, and he had a kind of. Uh, I think it was a little bit of a step back three, hit hit two on the day, and again you just. When he hits 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 a couple of jumpers and then gets to the lane a couple of times, we saw it throughout the day 
here and there. Um, so, you know, again, you just hope that he's got kind of one of those like 10 for 14, you know, 25 points on super efficiency type games in him because it feels like they're somewhat going to pull off the series. They're going to need that from Drew at some point. Um, and I think the other interesting dimension is, I mean, if Kyrie's out and Harden is out, I mean, we'll see, right? Maybe Harden comes back at some point in the series yet. I mean, who, who's more likely to play Harden or Kyrie? I have no idea at this point. Um, but if neither of those guys are playing, then obviously it makes Drew's life a lot easier defensively because you have some more, uh, you know, let's just say you don't have the same level of, of threat that, you know, he's having to work as hard uh, to, to defend against. So, yeah, I, uh, I would say, you know, better from Giannis, still not great. Um, five turnovers, uh, some of the, the early three, early clock threes were still there. Um, but overall, you know, I thought he clearly still was getting to the, getting the rim and really was the only guy doing that for the Bucks. And obviously that was something that was pretty critical. And, you know, we talk about the Bucks offense, if, if they're not getting Giannis scoring at the rim, then they're going to have to hit a ton of threes. Right. Uh, and today they were better in that regard, but, but still, uh, you know, obviously the, the, the offensive scoring load still began and ended with the honest today. And thankfully he was, he was a bit better than he was last game. Let's talk about betonline.ag, Frank, the fastest and easiest way to bet on the real sports action. I reckon there might've been a swing in the line in this series, this Brooklyn Milwaukee series. Uh, you can check that out before game five at betonline.ag. Uh, you can also get MLB, NBA, NHL, UFC, MMA, uh, action there as well you can find out all the odds news sign up bonuses contest information everything is right there for you don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit just use the promo code locked on that's bet online your online sportsbook experts Just with Drew, I mean, you mentioned the fact that he's still struggling to hit shots. I, again, I felt like he got to pretty good spots on the floor a lot of the times, and these shots just aren't falling for him. I too thought about the defensive toll that is, you know, that he's taking up by defending Kyrie Irving. And to this point, and I know he went down, but to that point, Kyrie Irving probably hasn't been at his most efficient. I mean, he's done a pretty good job, particularly in game three. I thought uh, Drew Holiday was excellent. So, I thought we saw him be definitely more aggressive looking for his shots when it's Mike James defending him, which is, again, you, you're going to expect that. He's going to feel confident that he can do whatever he wants if he's been guarded by uh, Mike James. But it's just funny to think about the fact that Drew Holiday has been pretty good defensively in this series, no doubt about it. But you would have thought coming into a series with the Brooklyn Nets that he needed to be a 20-point-per-game scorer because you needed to score 120. And it's just crazy to look at the final scores we've had in this series so far. Brooklyn, 83 points a season low in game three, and then obviously they're held to 96 here. I mean, anytime you can keep this team to under under 100 points is is quite remarkable. I, I don't know what we're going to see in game five, though, but let's just say that Steve Nash is already working the officials ahead of time. Uh, post-game, he was asked about P.J. Tucker's defense on Kevin Durant. He said, I, th- I thought it was borderline non-basketball physical at times, which is just a hilarious comment when you think about the way that Brooklyn's defending Giannis, for instance. I mean, yes, tonight was a physical game. I don't think there's any case that you can say that that one team was more physical than the other. I think it happened on both ends. But there's no doubt. I mean, you you got to look out for that now. P.J. Tucker, two quick fouls in game five. I'd be putting a lot of money on it based on the way that Steve Nash is already working the officials in this game. And the Bucs need to be able to be 
to need to be able to defend physically. And I think Kevin Durant, you mentioned he was a little bit frustrated. You mentioned the fatigue as well. And it's interesting, now that this series moves into Game 5, there's only one night off between Game 5, one night off before Game 6. They've had two nights off prior to this. All of a sudden, that fatigue might start to take its toll. And I know there was a few people that I heard on TV shows or podcasts, whatever it is, mentioning the minutes load on Durant through the the early parts of this series. And it will be fascinating to see. I mean, this guy's consistently going to be up there around 45 minutes per game for the series. If it goes, it's obviously going six. If it goes seven, I mean, that that is huge, particularly with what he's been asked to work through, whether it's PJ, whether it's Chris, whether it's Giannis. Uh, this is about to become a real grind for Kevin Durant. Yeah, and we had, you know, two days off between um, the last two games. Yeah. Um, but now we only get, a single day off between the next two. So game uh, five is on Tuesday, game six is on Thursday. So obviously when you're you know, looking at it from the perspective of Brooklyn and trying them trying to get guys back, they do get Jeff Green back today. Um, you know, I, I thought Green, Green struggled defending Giannis more so than Blake Griffin did. Did, did we ever hear a reason why Blake, Blake like basically feels like he didn't really play much at all in the second half. And I, I don't, I don't know that I heard a, uh, was there an explanation for that? I, I, I don't know. No. He, he played, you know, he played 25 minutes. I mean, he was minus 15. So it's, I mean, it's not like he was stopping on us, but I think he's generally, you know, done a solid job. And, um, you know, I think we, we have obviously seen Jeff Green and the challenges that, that he presents. I think Blake uh, being out there as a starting center, uh, you know, the Bucks have been able to keep Brooke and Giannis out there together, even with the way that they roam off guys between Blake and Bruce Brown. Um, I think if Jeff Green's out there, you know, as opposed to Blake, I think that that does punish you a little bit more. Green's, you know, he's a 41% three-point shooter this year. Granted, he's never been that good really in his career, but, you know, he's just a better perimeter shooter and, and a more willing perimeter shooter than Blake, who really has not, um, you know, offensively has really not had big outings since uh, since game one. I don't think he even scored a lot in game game two, right? Yeah, he only scored seven points in game two. So, um, so I think that was an interesting thing to watch getting green back. I mean, physically, I thought he looked okay. Uh, I mean, it wasn't like he couldn't run, but he's coming off obviously a, uh, a plantar fascia injury, which is, which is tough. So, uh, you know, we'll see, certainly you're going to have to expect to see a lot more of Jeff green, especially, um, you know, if, if Kyrie is out, they're not like for like, but, uh, you know, they, they're, they're obviously having to dip into their bench a fair bit as is with, uh, with, with Harden out. So, um, yeah, I, I think the load on Durant obviously will, will be higher. And, um, you know, Jalen Rose after the game was saying, well, book it, he's going to score 40 next game. And I mean, I, I thought Kevin Durant was going to have a monster game today. <laughs> you know, like I, after last game, it felt like there was going to be a huge KD came coming and, um, you know, again, he, he wasn't bad, but one out of eight from three, 28 points on nine out of 25 shooting minus 23 in 42 minutes. Um, that obviously, you know, if you're the Bucks, you're pretty damn happy with that output. And, and yeah, I agree. It's going to be very interesting to see just how, um, how PJ Tucker specifically is officiated and, um, you know, how, uh, how the Bucks react if, if KD does get um, a more favorable whistle next game. I mean, KD had 10 free throws in this game, right? I mean, this was, I think this must've been by far the best, the, the highest, was this the highest free throw game that the Nets have had? They were 14 yeah, out of 18. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, Kyrie still hasn't shot a free throw all series, which is pretty, pretty interesting. Not that he's a high volume free throw shooter, but uh, 
yeah, I mean, I think this is certainly um, if if you know Game Five again doesn't involve either Kyrie or James Harden, um, I, I, this is going to be one of those you know major tests of of Durant and just how much can he carry an entire offense? Because um, I mean, that's you're asking a lot of a guy. Um, but again, would you put it past them? Absolutely not. But I think there, that's where also you just say for the Bucks you've got multiple defenders you can throw at him. So if PJ Tucker picks up, you know, two quick fouls, okay, Chris Middleton, next man up, <laughs> you know, like then you've got to can maybe bring the same physicality, but you know, as you mentioned, Chris had a couple steals, a couple blocks today. He actually had some, you know, pretty solid possessions against Kevin as well. And, you know, Drew Holiday gives up a lot of size, but you know, in, in worst case scenarios, it's not like, you know, Drew is, is a uh, chopped liver out there either. So, and we haven't even talked about Giannis, right. Who obviously brings something different. I think, uh, in terms of handle, obviously Giannis doesn't love doesn't love being out on the perimeter, having to defend uh, really mobile guys. It's not what he typically does, but you know you do have some options. And uh, if if those other guys aren't out there, you can focus all of your energies on on KD. And I think you know you, you don't normally have the ability to to really be really aggressive in terms of trapping and getting after KD. I don't think Mike Budenholzer is a guy that yeah, obviously we we know we know Bud defensively is not out there looking to trap period ever really. Um, but if, if the nets are out there and, and they're down a couple stars, um, I do kind of wonder, do you selectively try to maybe, uh, surprise KD at times by bringing extra bodies and really forcing him to, to, to make big, you know, the right reads and get other guys involved. Um, and again, I mean, we've seen some of these guys, whether it's Blake in game one, you know, Joe Harris only eight points on eight shots today. So it did not a huge, you know, kind of step you know, kind of come back game from him. Um, uh, you know, some of the guys off the bench, uh, including, you know, Mike James has had some moments, but today just five points on six shots. Uh, you know, as we said at the start of the series, if, if those guys are the, the reason you lose the series on some level, you say, okay, we gambled, <laughs> we gambled that those guys who weren't as good couldn't beat us. And maybe you live with that. But, um, now obviously the Nets are, are going to need some of those guys to step up in ways that certainly they didn't probably anticipate coming in to the series thinking they had all three superstars and at least for, for the moment, very likely facing the possibility of game five without, without both Harden and Kyrie. I want to just make a point on Blake Griffin. He hit a three early in this game and was running up the court, <laughs> shaking his head like Giannis can't guard him or something ridiculous like that. It was a tough three too, right? It was like clock running down. It was like a yeah. step back. It was an impressive shot, but I mean, yeah, it wasn't like, it was a lucky shot to, to well, an extent. If, if you're going to do that and you're going to shake your head, like you just like put on some incredible move and this, and then, then you're truly unguardable. When you get an isolation in the post on Pat Connaughton a couple of quarters later, and you literally can't move Pat Connaughton at all. And then you flip up some ugly looking layup that misses and you end up on your ass. Don't be shaking your head when Giannis, when you hit a three over Giannis, okay? Because if you can't post up Pat Connaughton, I, I don't want to hear it from you, Blake. So, uh, look, I, I think that's probably the time when Steve Nash said, we're going to bench this guy. He's embarrassing himself at this point. So maybe that's why he only played 24 <laughs> minutes. I'm not 100% sure. But I was watching this just feeling sorry for the guy. I want to just ask about Brooke Lopez before we, we, before we uh, sort of wrap this up, though. It's been a fascinating series with Brooke. I mean, we spent a lot of time pre- series talking about the height advantage the size and how the bucks were going to manipulate this against the nets and it's really been the brook lopez that we've seen in the first couple of seasons with mike budenholzer six shots tonight all from three he was two for six it's fine it's a fine percentage 
He had 11 rebounds. The Bucks overall um, were out-rebounded 43 to 42, which is you know, kind of interesting. But uh, it is fascinating that they went basically, since the All-Star break, really, really working Brook Lopez inside. His three-point attempts came right down. He was scoring more than he had at any point since he's been with the Bucks, And in this series, they haven't gone to it at all, and he's basically been standing out on the perimeter. I do think a big part of that is the Bucks trying to unlock how to find, uh, how to get Giannis in those uh, effective spots, how to give, create space with him in the paint with the way that they're packing it down there and they think that or they've reverted to having the guys spaced around the perimeter. I think that's a part of it and I do think that that is more complicated than simply, you know, what I see a lot of people saying, well, just post up Brook, just post up Brook. Like, I think it's more complicated than that, but it is interesting that outside of game one where Brook Lopez was eight for 11 from the field, they just haven't got him anything inside. And, and they haven't even been looking for those deep seals that we've saw multiple times. The lob has completely gone out of the offense. It's kind of a surprise. I wouldn't have picked that coming in. Yeah, especially given that that was, you know, he, him and Giannis were the only two real bright spots offensively from game one. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the way that that game started in the first quarter where, you know, Brooke was just crashing the boards and it was like, oh man, the Nets don't have anything for the Buck size. And it, it's strange, you know, they, they, lose that game, but Giannis and, and Brooke are the kind of guys, that, okay, they, they at least did their part. And game two, obviously nothing really goes right. But game three and game four, the fact that they, they really did not lean at all into at least trying to get, you know, Brooke involved. And, and I, again, as I mentioned, with Giannis on the floor, it's always a bit harder to do it just because Brooke is, you know, if he's in the dunker spot, for instance, um, then, you know, you're, you're inviting whoever's guarding him to, to be there for, for helping on Giannis, which again, sometimes it's, you know, it's not necessarily big guys that they're putting on Brooke, obviously, because they don't really have many big guys, especially when Blake is guarding Giannis. Um, so I, it's tough. I, I mean, I think the, the obvious like thing you, you could do is say, well, when, um, when Giannis is off the floor, which isn't much, right. But when Giannis is off the floor, make sure Brooke is on the floor. Uh, unless the lineup makes it impossible and then try to really go through him uh, down, down low and try to run, you know, screen and roll with him. And, you know, I'm just thinking of Chris going up top and finding Brooke these last year and a half, two years, um, how often they've had success kind of doing that. But um, yeah, it is, it is a kind of an unfortunate reversion to um, kind of old spot up Brooke Lopez, uh, which I think, you know, we saw a year, I thought that was a, a valuable you know, change in the dynamic that they had in that they did have Brooke Lopez being more of a, a force inside. Um, so again, it's kind of one of those things like, well, I mean, you've won two games in a row. So on some level, it's like, I, I don't know, yeah. but, you know, maybe you, you, it's, it's like, you, but, but the offense hasn't really been working. So, you know, two, two straight poor games in terms of like total, you know, big picture offensive effectiveness. So what can you do to, to get Brooke more involved? And, and again, um, you know, I think, part of the answer is figuring out, you know, how you, how you have him um, out there when, when Giannis is not, because, because again, the last thing you want to do is you know, clog up the middle too much for Giannis, but, um, but we'll see, um, you know, the Bucks need, I mean, both teams now at this point, the, obviously they, you know, focus is going to be on the stars and what they do and if they play in Brooklyn's case, but role players, I mean, whichever team wins the series, I mean, some role players are going to have to step up. Like the last two games in particular, you know, I mean, Connaughton stood out today. He had eight points, right. But did a bunch of other stuff. Um, and both teams just have not had much of anything from role players outside of that. So, um, 
you know, we talk about role players generally playing better at home. So now we'll see, you know, is Mike James going to have a 15 point game or something like that? Do they get, you know, more output from, you know, another Bruce Brown game? Um, we'll see, but clearly if, if they're going to be down, down some bodies, they're going to need, they're going to need something on the, on the net side. So we don't know what time game five is going to be at this point, because I, I think they'll be waiting to see what happens with Denver and Phoenix. Uh, that game's going on right now as well. So yeah, it's uh, a couple of days away. I think, I mean, you can never predict what's going to happen in a series, Frank, but certainly when the Bucks went down 2-0 and the nature of that game too, lost 39 points down by 49 at some point, it was, it was hard to imagine even getting back to this point where you're at 2-2 and now we know with everything else that has happened, it's a best of three. And I mentioned this point after game three, but now that you have the series tied, in the absolute worst case example, you have a game on your home floor to force a game set. And, you know, I mean, from, from where they were, you obviously can't ask for much more than that. Defensively, they've been excellent. As you pointed to, the offense just has not got firing at all in this, in this series. Now, we're four games in, so you can ask yourself whether it is going to at some point, but that's certainly where the room for improvement or where the glass half full should be right now and with this series locked at two. Uh, the, the Bucks just have so much room for improvement if they can unlock... The, the offense in this series and get going, I, I just would not have imagined that the Bucks would be able to be even at this point in this series when they haven't even come close to scratching 120 points. When you think about the way that these games went during the regular season with Brooklyn, it's hard to imagine that this was the way this series was going to play out. But Steve Nash said after the game, he has no idea whether Kyrie Irving is going to play. The x-rays were negative, but uh, they're on the clock. They're on the clock with Harden, uh, who Steve Nash also said is still a fair way off. He's, he's not back to full running. So, uh, look, the, the Bucs have an opportunity. We've spoken about this before. I think ultimately no one ever wants to see injuries in the game. But when you get a situation like this, you simply can't let it go. I mean, you, if you're Milwaukee right now, this is a golden opportunity that you just simply have to make the most of. Yeah, I mean, let's let's just say it. I mean, I, as you were just talking, I mean, I, I mean, in my head, I just kind of was like, okay, the Bucks are winning the series; they have to win Game Five. Like to me, that at this point, that that just feels like what has to happen. They're going to have to win a game on the road, and we we don't know if if Harden's going to play in Game Five. We don't know if Kyrie's going to play in Game Five. But I would I would argue that the odds are that by Game Seven, if you get that far odds are higher that one of those guys is going to be healthier and more capable of hurting you. Uh, and, and so, you know, you need to win a road game. Now is the time to do it. You know, you hope that Brooklyn is on their back, back foot a little bit. Um, they're, they're licking their wounds. They're banged up. Um, and if you go out there and you've got, you know, quote unquote, just KD trying to defend home court, look, take it, <laughs> you know, it was, it's it kind of, kind of like game one, you know, you see, you see Harden go down and you say, damn, this is a golden opportunity. And now potentially doubly. So if, if they're without both Harden and Durant's or sorry, without Harden and Kyrie. So I, I think again, you, you know, to some extent, you know, is the pressure on the bucks that they have to win game five? Well, again, it's not a must win, but I mean, geez, if you're going to beat the nets in the series with the injuries, um, and knowing you got to win one road game, do you, do you want to have to put yourself in a position that you have to win game seven, or do you want to just try to take advantage and steal one now? I think, um, you know, I'm not going to call it a must win, but if you're going to win this series, it just feels like game five is, is the opportunity to do it. And 
I'm not going to hear sit here and tell you that I, <laughs> I suddenly trust the Bucks to you know to take advantage of things, uh, especially given the way they looked. Um, I mean, even throughout much of these two games in Milwaukee, but especially the two games in uh, in Brooklyn. But um, you know, hopefully they've they figured some things out a little bit, and there's still a lot of room for improvement. But I mean, defensively, obviously, yes, the the Nets lose Kyrie midway through this game. But I mean, I'm just looking at the Nets season. Pr- prior to the playoffs, their worst offensive rating all season was a 92 against Utah in late March. They were at 85 uh, in Game Three, and they were right around 92. So. You know, just again, things happen. You know, Bucks shooting all series, you know, all playoffs has been really bad. How do you explain that? I don't know. You know, uh, I think shot quality has been worse. Um, I think they were shooting something like 20% on wide open threes or something like that, but they also had a lot fewer of them than in the regular season. I think they went from like 19 to 13 wide open threes from the regular season versus I think in the first three games. So fewer open looks. And ironically, Giannis. Uh, was not hurting them. He was like 33% on wide open shots and the rest of the Bucks were like 20%. <laughs> I think I saw the stat. Um, so, you know, the, the open shooting has, has been part of the story for the Bucks, but um, for Brooklyn, uh, to, to hold them down defensively two straight games, you know, for all the talk all year long about the Bucks defense and was it going to be good enough and were they going to be adaptable enough, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it, pretty pretty encouraging games three and four here and and you know even even going back to to um to uh, the games in brooklyn it you know it didn't feel like the bucks just were completely out of their depth and had no clue how to stop brooklyn right game two obviously got away from them but uh even game one you know you held you actually did a decent enough job to give yourself a chance to win so um you know credit the bucks defensively and again i just keep thinking of pj tucker and how hard he's been working but um but we'll see. They're going to need to continue to do that. And then you just hope that that offense finally wakes up because if it does, man, that, that could certainly be what, what turns the series from almost a surefire loss after the first two games into potentially, a, you know, it's pretty historic to come back from down 2-0 and at this stage of the playoffs. It, obviously, we, we know it happens because it happened to the box, but, um, but it would be pretty, pretty incredible if they managed to do it. And, you know, in, again, it, it sucks for the league. The, the number of injuries that have happened in the playoffs in particular, but this isn't anything new, right? I mean, this, this is, I, I, you know, you look back at the Lakers, Lakers took six games to beat Miami. Miami was missing Gron Dragic for four of those games. They missed Bam Adebayo for two of those games. Both guys were battling injuries. Nobody looks back and says like, well, yeah, the Lakers championship was, you know, bullshit because the, the Heat had some injuries. Granted, some people, you know, maybe question everything in the bubble, which is fun to do because the Lakers, but, um, but then the year before, I mean, Toronto, they needed six games with KD carrying his Achilles and Clay Thompson carrying his ACL in game six when he was going, you know, supernova. So, unfortunately, this is, this is not new, you know, these injuries. And, um, you know, we saw it again, first series, Lakers are out. Um, but you don't, you know, I, I guess except for, you know, Daryl Morey, who likes to claim championships for, you know, wins that didn't happen because of injuries, right? Didn't, didn't, didn't Morey try to... <laughs> try to do that with the Rockets and claiming that they should have won the title when Chris Paul got hurt. But that's not how actual championships are awarded. That's not how actual series are awarded. And so all you can do is you just try to stay as healthy as you can and beat the guys in front of you. And, you know, again, uh, 
this series maybe is not living up to the billing it had going into it, but we're back to 2-2. And, you know, if the Bucks can somehow scrape by through the series, um, again, the, the, the objective viewer may say they got lucky and they didn't have to face the best the Nets have, but so be it. <laughs> you know, like, at this point, it's not, nothing the Bucks can do about it. All they can do is play who's out there. And um, if that's what you need, you know, it's survive in advance at this point. And, you know, being healthy is one of the most valuable, you know, availability being one of the best, being the best ability that that certainly is feeling more and more true. Well, if you want to get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes from all tonight's NBA, I might even be on the show. Then you should check out the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. And I just want to finish by saying this, and I, I don't mean it as a slight it's too big of a slight to our friends, Nikola Miritich and Marvin Williams. But it's about time the Bucks had one of these late season signings come through in the playoffs. PJ Tucker, what a man. Shout out to that guy. The Bucks have been trying to get these big name late season pickups that many of the contenders want. Third time lucky with PJ. He's been huge in this series. He's doing a big job on Kevin Durant, but uh, still a bit of work to do for the Bucks. Like I said, we'll have a live locker room podcast, 7.30 p.m. Central Time tomorrow. Download the app. If you've got thoughts, anything you want to bring to the table from this series so far or moving forward, you can do that. Uh, the latest update we have from Rachel Nichols, Kyrie Irving left Fiserv for him in a boot and on crutches. So, look, we, we know it's a, it's a pretty serious ankle injury for him. So we'll just wait and see what the update is. Uh, only 48 hours until tip in game five so not long to go and not long to recover before then but for frank and myself bucks win 107 96 series is tied at 2-2 we'll be back tomorrow